Welcome to Reading the One Year Bible Together, a daily podcast that runs Monday through Saturday. My name is Bryce Tomlinson, and I'll be joined by Sherry Atanasal, and on occasion, my lovely wife, Julie. If you don't have a one-year Bible, you can get a reading plan at oneyearbibleonline.com. There's a link in the description of this video on Facebook, and as well as the show notes of our podcast. This podcast is recorded from Jitsi, where we do our live streams daily. Details can be found in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. You're welcome to read out of whichever version of the Bible that you like best. We just happen to use the World English Bible because it's public domain. And as such, this podcast and its corresponding live stream are also public domain. You're welcome to download them and re-upload them anywhere that you see fit, anywhere that you think that the Word of God is needed. We feel like that's pretty much everywhere, so you should totally do that. And even if you can't, you can still hit that share button. Share this on your timeline, share this on your Facebook, your Twitter feed, your TikTok, or wherever you think that people ought to be getting into the Bible. In the show notes, you'll find links to PayPal and Patreon, where you can show your support and contribute to the improving of our audio quality and the audio gear that we use to record these podcasts and live streams. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Today is August 21st, and that means we are on day 233 of the one-year Bible. Day 233 is going to start us out in Job chapter 1. So if you want to get turned there, Sherry, would you like to pray for us this morning? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would work on our hearts and our minds, not just as we read, but those who listen to this podcast, Lord, that we would lay down more of the world today and pick up more of you. And I just pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now we are in Job chapter 1, starting in verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. His possessions also were seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred female donkeys, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the children of the east. His sons went and held a feast in the house of each one on his birthday, and they sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. It was so, when the days of their feasting had run their course, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and renounced God in their hearts. Job did so continually. Now on the day when God's sons came to present themselves before Yahweh, Satan also came among them. Yahweh said, to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, From going back and forth in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Yahweh said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him in the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you made a hedge around him, and around his house, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the word 
work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will renounce you to your face. Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only on himself don't stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh. It fell on a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, that a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them away. Yes, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God has fallen from the sky and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans made three bands and swept down on the camels and have taken them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, there came also another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young men, and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. Yahweh gave, and Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be Yahweh's name. In all this, Job didn't sin nor charge God with wrongdoing. Next, we are continuing in Job chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Again, on the day when God's sons came to present themselves before Yahweh, Satan came also among them to present himself before Yahweh. Yahweh said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered Yahweh and said, From going back and forth in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Yahweh said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him in the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. He still maintains his integrity, although you incited me against him, to ruin him without cause. Satan answered Yahweh and said, Skin first skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will renounce you to your face. Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh and struck Job with painful sores from the sole of his foot to his head. He took for himself a potsherd to scrape himself with, and he sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still maintain your integrity? Renounce God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come on him, they each came from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, and they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and to comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes from a distance and didn't recognize him, they raised their voices and wept, and they each tore his robe and sprinkled dust on their heads toward the sky. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Next, we continue in Job chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 
After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Job answered, Let the day perish in which I was born, the night which said, There is a boy conceived. Let that day be darkness. Don't let God from above seek for it, neither let the light shine on it. Let darkness and the shadow of death claim it for their own. Let a cloud dwell on it. Let all that makes the day black terrify it. As for that night, let thick darkness seize on it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it who curse the day, who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its twilight be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the eyelids of the morning, because it didn't shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor did it hide trouble from my eyes. Why didn't I die from the womb? Why didn't I give up the spirit when my mother bore me? Why did the knees receive me? Or why the breast that I should nurse? For now I should have laid down and been quiet. I should have slept. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built up waste places for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Or as a hidden, untimely birth I had not been, as infants who never saw light. There the wicked cease from troubling. There the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They don't hear the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there. The servant is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery, life to the bitter in soul? Who long for death, but it doesn't come, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes before I eat. My groanings are poured out like water. For the thing which I fear comes on me. That which I am afraid of comes to me. I am not at ease, neither am I quiet, neither do I have rest, but trouble comes. Now we're in the New Testament. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Follow after love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in another language speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands. But in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and consolation. He who speaks in another language edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the assembly. Now I desire to have you all speak with other languages, but even more that you would prophesy, for he is greater who prophesies than he who speaks with other languages, unless he interprets that the assembly may be built up. But now, brothers, if I come to you speaking with other languages, what would I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophesying or of teaching? Even lifeless things that make a sound, whether pipe or harp, if they didn't give a distinction in the sounds, how would it be known what is piped or harp? For if the trumpet gave an uncertain sound, who would prepare himself for war? So also you, unless you uttered by the tongue words easy to understand, how would it be known what is spoken? For you would be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without meaning. If then I don't know the meaning of the language, I would be to him who speaks a foreigner, and he who speaks would be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for 
for spiritual gifts. Seek that you may abound to the building up of the assembly. Therefore, let him who speaks in another language pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in another language, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What should I do? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who fills the place of the unlearned say the amen at your giving of thanks, seeing he doesn't know what you say? For you most certainly give thanks well, but the other person is not built up. And now we are going back into the Old Testament. We are in Psalm 37, starting in verse 12. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord will laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to kill those who are upright on the path. Their sword shall enter into their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. Better is a little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but Yahweh upholds the righteous. Yahweh knows the days of the perfect. Their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be disappointed in the time of evil. In the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish. The enemies of Yahweh shall be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and don't pay back, but the righteous give generously. For such as are blessed by him shall inherit the land. Those who are cursed by him shall be cut off. A man's steps are established by Yahweh. He delights in his way. Though he stumble, he shall not fall, for Yahweh holds him up with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. All day long he deals graciously and lends. His offspring is blessed. Depart from evil and do good. Live securely forever, for Yahweh loves justice and doesn't forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and live in it forever. Lastly, we finish with Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. There are those who covet greedily all day long, but the righteous give and don't withhold. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for your word and this time together, Lord. And I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts for what you have for us today, Lord, as we have read through your pages and are going to discuss it. And I just pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would influence us and fill us with your wisdom and not that of the world. Lord God, I just ask for your intercession for those that are sick and are struggling with so many illnesses, Lord, major illnesses, not just colds and bugs and things like that, Lord, but life-threatening illnesses. For those who have cancer, I pray for my mom, for Richard, for Laura for Gary and for Mary. And I pray, Lord God, that you would touch their bodies, that you would heal each cell, that you would give them wisdom beyond what they hear from the doctors to know that there is more than one way to fight this beast other than chemo or radiation, Lord. And the treatments are just debilitating to the body. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would work a miracle and heal their bodies, Lord, from the treatments that they are receiving. Do a mighty work in these people, Lord God, I pray. And I just ask for a miraculous healing that the testimony that they give may be giving glory to you, Lord, not to doctors or science or medicine, but to you, the creator of all these things, Lord God. 
I ask for your help for those who have heart conditions, Lord. I pray for Bryce and for his dad. Lord, I pray for George, for Ralph, for Sue, for Stephanie. I know that Sue is very weak and needs rehab and is waiting for a bed, I guess. And I just, um, they have a lot of financial difficulties. So I just pray, Lord, that you would meet every need, Lord God, that you would not just heal the physical body, Lord, but lift them up in the weariness of the day-to-day battle, Lord, uh, for trying to live normally with a heart condition. I pray for your miraculous healing. I pray for wisdom for the doctors to know exactly what to do, Lord, to restore these hearts to normal. And I just thank you, Lord. And I'd also pray that you would restore all of the other organs damaged, Lord, by, by the struggle to keep the heart beating like it's supposed to, Lord. And Lord, I lift up those who have had stroke, Lord. I pray for Rudy, Lord. I pray for Bryce's mom and sister. And I pray, Lord, that you would restore those pathways, grow new ones, Lord, if you need to, and make whole again that which has been taken from these people, Lord, that you would allow them to talk, to walk, to function, to think, to process all of those things, Lord, just like they did before or even better. And I know it can be a long road, Lord, and I just pray that your glory would show through these people, Lord, and that they would see you working in their lives, Lord, as they are healing. And I just ask this in your precious name. For those that have tremors, Lord, for Bryce and for Richard. I just pray that you would heal that, Lord, and in your own mighty way, Lord. And if you are choosing to do it through doctors, that you would give the doctors wisdom to know what is wrong, Lord, that they may be healed. Pray for those with eating disorders, Lord, for McKenna and for all of those like her, Lord, who struggle with food. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would help them to see that food is just fuel, nothing more, nothing less. It's something that they need every day to nourish their bodies. And I pray that you would help them to not be afraid of eating it, Lord that it is a necessary thing and that you would heal that that wrong mindset, Lord, that just says that, no, I can't eat. No, I'm fat. Help them to see that they are beautiful and perfectly made in your eyes, Lord God, because you created them. I pray for broken bones. Lord God, I pray that you would heal Loretta's arm completely and totally and Bryce's dad's leg. Lord, you have the power to knit those bones together, Lord, and completely restore them. And we just ask that you would do that, Lord God. I pray for our marriages that are struggling. You know, the intimate details of every individual that is struggling in their marriage. And you know, as a couple, where they are struggling, Lord God, you know things that we don't know. And I just ask, Lord, that you would work in the deepest parts of each person's heart, Lord, that you would break down those barriers, those strongholds of sin, the apathy, the indifference, the anger, Lord God, and that you would bring it down to nothing at the foot of your cross and build them back up in a way that honors and glorifies you, Lord God, and that shows what a marriage is supposed to be like, Lord, one man and one woman honoring and glorifying you, Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory. And I just pray for this miraculous restoration, Lord, in these couples. Break through everything that keeps them from from being a true united couple, Lord God. And I just pray for forgiveness, for restoration, and for healing. And I pray for the same thing for our youth, our youths, Lord God. Our, there's just so much evil in this world. It's running rampant. It's accepted. It's embraced. And that which is good and right and just and holy in your eyes, Lord, is being pushed aside and seen as wrong. And they are just running headlong, pell-mell down this path into the world, Lord, not realizing that maybe it'll be fun for a bit, Lord, but in the end, they're going to lose their souls to Satan, Lord, and be eternally separated from you if they don't change their path. 
And I pray, Lord God, that you would open up their eyes and their hearts in a in a wisdom beyond their years and help them to see that the world is not what it promises to be, Lord God, that it's enslavement, it's entrapment, it's it's depression, it's anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Those things are not where they need to be, Lord God. And I pray that you would win them and woo them back so that the prodigals would return home and you would have new believers in your kingdom. Lord God, that they would be testifying to you, to who you are, Lord God, their their Savior and their Daddy, one who loves them so much, Lord. Help them to see that, Lord. Block out the lies of the world and open up their eyes to see who you are. Lord, thank you for our first responders, each and every one of them, Lord. Um, I know we're Clackamas County is mourning the loss of a deputy that died yesterday because he had his teeth cleaned and got an infection. You never know when their last day is going to be. We don't know. They don't know, Lord, and it may not be what we think or expect. So I just pray, Lord God, that you would protect these people that are going out there and serving, laying their lives on the line so that we can be safe. Give them wisdom, keep them safe, bring them to know you. And I just thank you for each and every one of them that's out there every day, walking out the door into danger. Bless them, Lord. I pray for the people teaching your word all over the world, Lord God, embolden them, strengthen them, give them courage. Lord, give them rest. Bring people alongside of them to work with them in their ministries, Lord God, that more people will be reached for your kingdom. And finally, Lord, I just lift up your people, Lord God. I lift up them and ask that you would help them to see who Messiah is, and that's Jesus. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. The beginning of Job is it's a pretty interesting story. Here you have a guy who is trying to be a godly man. And just in case his kids might not be quite as godly, he prays especially for them and gives offerings especially for them, just in case. Right. And then God is, I don't know, having a meeting and Satan is there and God points out Job. And I know I've seen some pretty cynical, terrible videos on this conversation between mm. God and Satan. But God says to him, do you, do you see Job? Job is just about the best dude ever. There's no one like him. And if you think, well, Job's a really unrealistic role model. Yeah, he kind of is. In fact, it says there's no one like him. Right. But Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? Is there no reason for Job to be like this? No, you have made him rich. You have made him blessed. You have protected him from all harm. Of course, this dude loves you to pieces. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, God knows what's going on. And he's like, okay, go do this. Go destroy all the stuff that he has. Just don't touch him. And I can almost imagine Satan was probably gleeful when he was able to do that. So think about your dog <laughs> and your dog adores you your dog loves you unreasonably uh -huh. and so someone says of course your dog loves you unconditionally of course your dog loves you unreasonably uh -huh. you have given the dog shelter you've fed the dog in a timely fashion you've given the dog tons of things to play with you pay attention to the dog and you've given the dog a name and you take the dog for walks of course everything that this dog needs is provided for by you of course this mm -hmm. dog adores you to pieces but take away all of that and see if the dog loves you quite as much <laughs> now we've had dogs and we know right. how dogs are the dog mm -hmm. loves you if you take away the dog's toys, the dog will be sad. If you stop taking the dog for walks, the dog will be sad. If you don't feed the dog quite as much, the dog will be sad. 
the dog <laughs> will probably be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. The dog will still love you to pieces and there's no good reason for it. Exactly. Now, <laughs> Satan is pointing out that, you know, you have to, you're going to do all this stuff to him. And well, you didn't touch him. He still loves you because you haven't right. really hurt him. Right. Yeah. That was just stuff. Well, and his kids. Yeah. And all of his kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just stuff. And all of his, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his servants. A lot of people died as a result of this. Then he says, skin for skin, but stretch out your hand now and touch his flesh and bone. Touch his bone and his flesh and he will renounce you to your face, right? Right. If you abuse a dog, you poke it with a stick, you hit it, you beat the dog. Mm -hmm. The dog will be confused. The dog will be terrified. The dog will be disoriented and the dog will still love you. Yep. If if there's people like that too. There are. The dog will be injured. The dog will be unhealthy the dog will be will feel neglected the dog will feel rejected but the dog will still love you and be waiting for the moment that you extend mercy to the dog Mm -hmm. we could learn a lot from dogs (laughs) what unconditional love really is for sure so we learn two things that is that job is a dog (laughs) and that satan doesn't know how nature works satan doesn't really understand how all of this works at all satan doesn't understand how humans can love God. No, he's had such a, a hatred of, for God and jealousy for so long that I don't think he probably even remembers what it was like to worship and adore him. Yeah, because he used to worship God. Uh-huh. He was God's most beautiful angel. Right. He had it all, everything, and... Yeah. He threw it all away for jealousy and coveting. And that's a good lesson for us to not let those feelings, things that we see that we want or we don't like or whatever, just get so entrenched in our lives that that's all that we think about. Yep. It's hard. We've all had those feelings, but you just have to keep giving them up to the Lord. So then Job has these friends. Doesn't say that they're not his friends. Says that right. Job has these three friends. Mm-hmm. Eliphaz, Bildad, and and uh, Zophar. Mm-hmm. And they start out. They got a good start. They're doing the right thing. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. How many times your friend called up and said they just need a friend moment. They just need to, like, let's go to a coffee shop or, or let's just sit down and, and binge watch Gilmore Girls for no reason. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they start out. That's a good start. Just shut up and listen or don't talk. Just be there for your friend. Right. Right. I think we all agree. They make it. They made a really good start. Yes, absolutely. They, they went in there. They probably had the best intentions and wanted to just be there for Job. And that was how it all started out. The kind of friends we all wish we had yeah, and, in the and beginning. How good would we be at sitting there silently for seven days? They sat there for a week and didn't say nothing. In our culture, that's near impossible. We're just go, go, go. We can't sit for 10, 15 minutes unless we're staring at a screen. Seven days and seven nights. Yeah, I can't conceive of that. I have enough trouble sitting on an airplane going to Bulgaria for the longest portion of the flight is like, I want to say 10 or 11 hours, depending on which way you're going. We look over this story as we've read it a few times. And generally speaking, we tend to think of these three guys as pretty lousy friends. Mm-hmm. We're quick to say that, but how many of us would be capable of sitting down for seven Seven days on the ground with this guy who no doubt 
Okay. <laughs> he looked bad. He smelled bad. <laughs> he was bad. And he wasn't he wasn't a happy person to be around. No. Nope. We we would not do better than these guys. And they had their robes torn and they sat ashes on them too. It's, that would have been one stinky, dirty circle of friends. Mm-hmm. I have had to be that friend and I could barely handle an hour. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Then I had to go outside, breathe, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where they blow it, uh, we didn't get to it yet, but nope. Job opened his mouth and, and vented for a bit. Mm-hmm. And really, the rest of the story should have gone the same way that the first part of the story did, where they just sat there and listened. Should have. But they're going to read him the riot act for every possible thing they can think of that he did wrong. Even though he didn't do it wrong, they think yeah. he did. Right. <laughs> they weren't there. They don't know. They thought they were giving wise counsel. Well, the truth is that I think all of us, when we're faced with grief or a terrible situation that we have no idea how to deal with it, we're still mm-hmm. going to try to come up with what might have caused this and what could we do better to make it better going forward. We're always going to be looking for that solution. Mm-hmm. And God is not always asking people's friends or as friends to do that. Sometimes he's just asking them to be there. Mm-hmm. What is it that it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament that, you know, a, a friend will come alongside and mourn with someone who is mourning and celebrate mm-hmm. with someone who is celebrating. Right. Yep. Doesn't say come mm-hmm. alongside them and solve all their problems. Exactly. But there are some people who are just wired to solve problems and not listen and have compassion. I'm going to go out on a limb and say if I sat there for seven days with this guy out in the desert day and night Mm. for seven days, Mm. at some point, my brain is going to be like stir crazy and say, no, 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 you really need to say something. (laughs) I wouldn't even make it a day. I couldn't stand the silence that long. Right. And then the first words out of his mouth when he finally does speak and he curses the day of his birth. I'm going to guess Job was probably not like this normally in his previous life. So that would have just probably shocked and floored his friends. That was like, who is this guy? Where did this come from? You know, at least for a moment till they processed it. Yeah, when they first saw him, they they didn't see that it was him. Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't recognize him. I mean, no doubt Job looks like he's wearing, you know, like the, the world's greatest Freddy Krueger. Kruger costume. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Paul's talking about uh, people who speak in tongues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people who prophesy, and he specifically says that they're not necessarily the same thing. Right. Correct. And prophesying is for the whole church and speaking in another language while praying is uh, worshiping God in your own personal life. Paul's saying that prophe- prophesying is the greater gift than speaking in tongues. And there are a lot of churches who get that wrong. Yeah, there's some sections that say there's not to be speaking in tongues unless there's an interpretation to be given. When it's done outwardly in a mass, it shouldn't be done unless there's an interpretation to be given. Right. And if you are going to do it in a mass setting, like you were saying, it's meant to be a more quiet, internal, personal worship. So mm-hmm. you don't want to be boisterous about it. You know, if you're going to do it around a lot of people and there's no interpretation or prophecy to be given with it, then you do it quietly. You can still mm-hmm. do it, but you just you do it quietly. Mm-hmm. I think importantly, Paul is making it a really great point, And that is that generally speaking, you are not going to hear prophecy from God in another language. 
church. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Please take this the right way. But if your church has a habit of dispensing prophecy, a habit of dispensing prophecy mm-hmm. in tongues and then interpreting it, that's not generally how God works because God has every capability to speak to you in your own language. In fact, mm-hmm. he can take a hundred people in a room that all speak different languages and they'll all be able to understand each other because they'll be speaking in each other's languages. It's, right. That has happened in the Bible. Yep. And so God will just speak to you in your own language. There isn't a, a necessity for prophecy to come to you by way of some charismatic preacher who first speaks in tongues and then dispenses that knowledge to you through interpretation. Mm-hmm. The word saying, in the Bible is that even a thing. Paul is saying that that is nonsense. Paul is mm-hmm. saying that here. He is saying that that is nonsense. What benefit is it to you to hear a bunch of babbling that you don't understand? Is that supposed to build you up? No. The object of the earth, the inanimate things of this planet can still make noises and it is of no benefit to you. Right, exactly. When David received prophecy, Nathan would come to him. God would tell him in plain words what to say to David. And then Mm -hmm. he would go and speak to David in plain words. When God spoke to Moses, he just spoke to him in his own language Mm -hmm. in a way that he Mm -hmm. would understand. And then he went and spoke those words to the people or he spoke through his brother Aaron, plain mm-hmm. words that they both yep. understood. Yep. When Samuel was given a word from God, even as a young boy, he thought that his uncle was calling him. Was calling him. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's it's God. He's just speaking to him like he's in the room. Right. There's there there aren't examples of this kind of charismatic babbling of tongues and then interpretation of it for prophecy for the benefit and edification of the congregation. There aren't examples of that in the Bible. There are are zero examples in scripture of that. Not saying it can't happen because, you know, God is definitely, he's not the God of the unlikely, as I like to say, he's the God of the impossible, mm-hmm. but it's not useful. It doesn't yeah. do anything but make people think that that we're a bunch of crackpots. <laughs> yep. And that again is something that Paul is making the point of. Paul will uh, will continue on to make this point that new people that come in and they see a bunch of people making weird movements, you know, doing these, having convulsions and falling on the ground, which was happening in the first church, not just mm-hmm. charismatic Pentecostal churches that we have today, not just today, but then as well in the first church. And people were babbling in tongues for no apparent reason in front of people as though it would edify the church. And all it did was freak out new believers back then and still today and people get creeped out and they leave the church thinking they're a bunch of crazy people and Paul said that. Yep, and that also goes hand in hand with the same type of churches that say you are not saved unless you speak in tongues. This chapter covers that quite well, that that's mm-hmm. baloney. It's a bunch of baloney. Yeah, he says yeah, I wish that all of you could do it. Yeah, I wish that everybody would experience this. And he says, not every one of you is going to. Right, and right in here it says that. And if you can speak in another language, I really, really hope you know, and I pray for you to 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 be able to interpret, and and, and you should pray for you to be able to interpret because you definitely don't understand. Like you're speaking in these other tongues, and you definitely don't understand. So pray for yourself to be able to understand some of it. Really, it's the Holy Spirit and you groaning on behalf mm-hmm. of your soul mm-hmm. in another language to God, and that's all. That's what it is. It's not. It's not for the edification of the body. Mm-hmm. It's for. It's for you. It's for your soul. To be conversing intimately with God. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I love this. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who fills the place of the unlearned say the amen at your giving of thanks, <laughs> seeing as he doesn't know what to say? <laughs> First off, like when you became a new believer, did you wonder what in the world did amen mean? What in the world does hallelujah mean? Did you ever ask somebody what that meant? I did. I wondered. Yeah, I wondered a lot of things. I didn't ask as many questions. I'm usually a, an observer and a learning through process person, but there were a lot of things as a new believer at the age of 30. I was like, what? Huh? Yeah, I, I don't get I, it. I asked makes somebody. I asked somebody because I wondered. I, I was like, you know, I, you know, we have this like knee jerk reaction when we when we hear something that's profound. We want to say amen or we want to we want to say hallelujah. But some of us will literally do that and not know what those words mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're just doing it because everybody does it, and you and you, you know, somebody says, "Can I get an amen?" and you say amen, and you have no idea what it just said. Right. What is it? What does amen <laughs> mean? You know. Right. A- amen is 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 let this be let it so um, be it so be it make it so yep. number one <laughs> yep yep yeah and hallelujah is is praise to the god of gods you know the ultimate mm-hmm. praise statement right praise god hallelujah god with us just praise him mm-hmm. the highest form of praise we're going to be mm-hmm. saying a lot of hallelujah in the end it would be a good idea for us to know what it means on this side but but his point is like he's he's saying you're going to say all these things and you're expecting someone to say amen and they have no idea what you just said. Yep. And this is coming from Paul, okay? Paul speaks your language and you still can't understand him. Right. <laughs> what was it I was saying last night at the Bible study? I, I'm always saying, you know, when I'm reading Paul, I, I feel like I could use a flow chart. And then when I'm reading John, I feel like he is a flow chart because <laughs> John just says it how it is. Right. That's why we always read right. now the gospel of John and, and we read mm-hmm. the epistles of John and, and it's all very plain, super plain it's you can't help but get it he brings clarity to so much stuff that could be otherwise cryptic right and right. we want the gospel to be like easy to understand and and when you have people speaking in tongues publicly and loudly and making a big show of it mm-hmm. frankly that's what it is it's a show you know, when you got somebody shouting out shoulda bought a honda you, you're gonna be <laughs> you are not edified by that and if you've heard enough people, I don't have that gifting. I only spoke one word in a tongue once and found out about two weeks later what that word meant. That was the only time. But if you've heard people speaking in their prayer language in a tongue often enough, you can tell just by listening what's real and what's fake, even if you don't have the gifting yourself. Because I've heard many people speak in tongues quietly, you know, under their breath during prayer groups, not out loud. And it's all yeah. very similar sounding. And to clarify, it's not for us to judge whether it's fake or not. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying judging. I'm just saying so- right. you can tell sometimes. Like the people that are loud and obnoxious about it, it's not the same language as those speaking quietly. I use shit about a Honda because that actually happened on live television one time. (laughs) You can generally tell when someone says that. (laughs) And, And he says, he's not taking it away from you. He says, so for you most certainly give thanks well, but the other person is not built up. You didn't help anybody else. Why did you do that out loud? Right. This whole chapter is basically about building each other up and glorifying God. So what's your game plan today? Uh, It is a gleaning day. 
So that will be the main focus. Like I said, it usually throws out my back. So it's about all I do. Got to get some um, chicken in the crock pot for dinner tonight. And I may or may not have to be the jujitsu transportation, depending on Andy's work schedule. So I don't know about that. How about you guys? As far as I know, we have no plan. It's a balance between stay home and avoid all the slick roads. And I was thinking maybe going to Carson City and thrift shopping. Oh, I like that idea. Wish I could come with. Right? <laughs> Carson City thrift shopping is really special. It's really nice. How so? I don't know. They just have they have really good thrift shops. And okay. they're pretty densely packed with really good thrift shops as well. <laughs> Lots of variety. And I think half of that comes from, like, we don't live in Carson City. So we hit mm-hmm. all the thrift shops around Reno quite often. We kind of make the but, circuit. Yeah. And, and it so, gets old after a while. It looks the same after a while. It's all the same stuff. The same stuff that's been sitting there or moved from one shelf to another shelf. And then you go out to Carson City, you go to someplace different and there's a bunch of other different stuff that wasn't Mm -hmm. in your Reno shops. So I'm sure half of it is that, but yeah, (laughs) we had one that's normally like a really nice shop. It's my favorite shop and and it's one of my favorite shops in Carson City. And um, they let you go behind the showcase and, and you can go back there and dig through all the stuff when I saw this tackle box back there Mm -hmm. and I opened up this tackle box and the inside of this tackle box, this particular tackle box was insulated and, uh, and it had some leftover live bait in it. That was fun. Special. (laughs) And I pointed that out to them and I was really stunned that they didn't get rid of it right away. Oh my goodness, they didn't? No. Oh. They won trying to get rid of it. I don't know. I'm like, someone is going to get sick from this being here. Uh, yep. I'm just gagging. In bacteria from this is going to start growing oh out of this, out of this tackle box. And yeah. yeah. Okay. What are you having for lunch today? <laughs> <laughs> Kimchi. Mmm. <laughs> so good. Tasty, tasty. All right, you guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And we pray that you would uh, you would add this to your RSS feed in your podcast app so that you get this episode automatically downloaded to your favorite listening app. We pray that uh, you will join us again tomorrow. We're going to be back here in the Jitsi room around 10-ish or so-ish Pacific time. So if you want to set all your clocks in your house to Pacific time, so you'll be right on time. Yeah. Love to have you join us and join in the conversation conversation here in the comments in the chat right here live on Jitsi and we'll interact with you for real we actually will mm-hmm. and yes, um, we will if you have any prayer requests please do leave them in messages on our Facebook page which the link is everything is in the show notes everything you could possibly need related to the show is in the show notes so please do check that out there's a PDF where you can download the reading plan if you want to follow along and uh, we will catch you again tomorrow live in the Jitsi room and then later on in the day on the podcast Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Bye-bye.